talked to him about uh, Calvinism, Arminianism, what does the Bible teach? Um, it's mostly been dealing with the Calvinism aspect of it the um, past few weeks. Um, but last week, we'll probably we'll be focusing more on the Arminian um, side of things um, and where that would be um, contrary to what the Bible actually um, teaches. Um, today, we're talking about the atonement, um, limited atonement or unlimited atonement. And I believe this is uh, probably the biggest issue that I would have um, with Calvinism, so much so that even some Calvinists um, have an issue with it. Um, they'll usually call themselves a four-point Calvinist instead of a five-point Calvinist. And um, the word of five points, if you're new here, um, typically it uses the acrostic of a tulip, um, T for total depravity, U for unconditional election, L for limited atonement, I for irresistible grace, and P for perseverance of the saints. And so we talk about total depravity, and which total depravity as far as in that we are all sinners, we're totally depraved, totally in the Bible. Um, where um, I don't support is the total inability to respond um, to the gospel. Um, and an unconditional election, um, we've read through how the Bible talks about we're elect according to his foreknowledge. And, and so the, God's foreknowledge in that sense, God knows what's going to happen, but our salvation is conditioned based on us placing faith in Jesus Christ. And of course, we love him because he first loved us. You know what? I'm a fellow fellow. If the Spirit of God did not work on our lives, we would not seek after God. You know, the Bible talks about how um, God is near every one of us and that he desires for us to seek him, but we would not do that without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so now we're talking about the atonement. Um, limited or unlimited, and I didn't put this part in my notes until last minute last night. Okay, so this point, what is the atonement? Um, for those that aren't familiar with the theological language um, that is often used when talking about, so I was like, all right, I'm going to get that in. What is the atonement? Otherwise, I can talk about the whole thing, and people be like, okay, what did we just talk about? Might still be that, but. Um, um, is it, what is called is the propitiatory and expiatory act of Christ, um, of Christ on the cross, whereby sins were imputed to him and satisfaction for sin was accomplished. Uh, propitiation. Um, when the Bible talks about Jesus, the propitiation for our sins, it means that he is a substitute for the wrath of God on our behalf. And then he also imputed unto us when we become believers, when we get saved, his righteousness upon us. And, and the expiatory meaning he made an atonement for sin. That you know that there was sin committed and there was a price that needed to be paid. And so the question we're talking about is the extent of the atonement, and this answers the questions, question for whose sin did Christ die? Who did Jesus die for? Limited atonement. 
atonement that Calvinistic view would be that Christ bore the punishment due for the sins of the elect alone. That those God predetermined, predestined to salvation to call his elect. Those are who Jesus died for. Um, the imputation of sin to Christ, the substitution for the sinner, and satisfaction for sin was limited to the elect only, alone. That he did not die for everybody. Now, there are some that um, would make a distinction where, and we'll get to that um, in a little bit, where um, he died for all in the generic sense, but not for salvation. Unlimited atonement um, would be that Christ bore the punishment due for the sins of all of humanity. Not to be confused with universal salvation. And so, um, unlimited atonement would be that Jesus died for all. Okay? That, that um, he made a sacrifice for all, but people still need to believe, put their faith in Christ to receive salvation. Universal salvation would be more of the idea that everybody's saved, that nobody um, is um, lost. And so we would not espouse um, that view. Uh, uh, and so we will get some scriptures used that people use to prove a limited atonement. And, and I'll give a little bit of a brief um, response. Um, one of them is Matthew 121. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so this is used that Jesus was only dying for his people. That those he calls sheep, those are the ones I'm dying for, not for the rest of the people. But as you read the context and understand the context of the New Testament, um, of how, you know what, the message that, that the Jewish people, the Israelites, they were supposed to be the ones spreading the good news of the Messiah. That the Messiah had been born, and that one day he would die on our behalf. Um, but they did not. They end up, we see that he end up, it's in a large part rejecting them. Of course, the disciples, they were all Jewish people. They accepted, they believed, and many Jews did. But in part, Israel was blind. And so, when, but when the Bible talks about his people in this passage, it's actually referring to the Jewish people, not just a few chosen elect to salvation. Over and over, the Bible talks about how Jesus came unto the Jewish people and unto his sheep, but that the masses received him not. And so, and then we see the wise men understood him even to be the king of the Jews when they asked, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And um, they were like the Gentiles themselves coming from the east, and, and they're wanting to pay respects and worship the king. And so the, the, um, the scriptures actually teach that salvation is offered to the whole world, not just to the Jews. And But to use this verse is a proof test of limited atonement would mean that Jesus only died for the Jews, if they were going to interpret it consistently in its context. 
But that's not what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach that Jesus only came through the Jews. It said that's not how he came to the Jews first, but then also to the Greek. Matthew 20, 28. Another one uses, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so a Calvinist would often say, see, this doesn't say Jesus died for all, but that for many. That it wasn't for everybody, but that there were some, um, and even many, that um, we would use. But, you know, if we we're going to interpret it consistently that way, um, then they would have to apply that to Romans 5, where it says, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. And I've never heard a Calvinist say that, you know, all are not sinners, just many of them are. Never heard that argument. But if they're going to interpret the one verse that way, then they ought to interpret the other verse that way as well. And um, of course, when we see many there, you know what, when you read the scriptures, it's obvious, talking about, you know what, he was a ransom for all, um, and all were made sinners. Um, it's just a word used. Um, and so, um, this verse says, me in the context of Christ, that all were made sinners in Adam, and it's the same with Jesus, giving himself as a ransom for many, is for all, but not all will accept it. So it ends up not applying it. Another verse often used um, by Calvinists would be Acts 20, 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over to which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God. It is instructions to the elders, the pastors of the church um, to take the oversight thereof um, of the flock to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own what? And so this is often used to teach that Christ died for just the church. That he died for the elect, but not for the rest of the world. And it's true Jesus died for the church, but he died more than just for the church. We see he died for all. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repent. And so that he would build his church by coming to see and to save that which was lost. Jesus didn't come for people that were already righteous. In fact, he actually points out that with the Pharisees, that they're very self-righteous and about how they actually um, would open broad the gates of hell because their own self-righteousness cannot earn them salvation. They need Jesus' righteousness. And so one of the arguments used by Calvinists would be that, okay, yes, Jesus maybe died for all, but not for a salvific sense for all. And so they say there's a salvific versus common grace, common grace and it's used to explain the way the scriptures that say Jesus died for all. Um, they'll use verses like, he made of his son the right on the evil and on the good, and send the forth rain on the just, and... The un, on the unjust. So we see, like, you know what? Like God cares for all. He has grace for all. You know what? He gives rain even to the lost, um, to those of the world. But the thing is, nowhere in this passage is it even talking about the atonement. It's not even talking about Jesus dying um, for all um, in that passage.
passage. Yes, God is gracious um, to all of his creation. He's long-suffering to them. Not only he should perish. And so it's not really um, an argument you can really see in Scripture. And now, of course, the Calvinists, they would, they would have their counterpoints um, as well. And so I support, you know, studying both sides. Or I guess studying for all three sides. Study the Calvinist side, the Arminian side, which I'm neither. Um, I kind of like being in the middle between them. Um, I would call it a publicist, but um, don't want to be prideful in that either, right? You know, because that's how that could be coming in process. Um, each side would want to claim that they're following the Bible. Another argument uses Christ died to save all men, not without exception, but without distinction. Meaning that when the Bible says Jesus died for all, um, it means he died for some people of all tribes, of all languages, of all kindreds, that, that there's some people of each group, and that's what it means by all, that he didn't just die for one people group, but he died for all people groups, but not for every person in that people group. Um, and so, well, um, I'm to use this, oh, I got a typo right there. Uh, um, Jesus didn't pray uh, for the world, but for his elect. Um, in John 17, 9, says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And so this verse is used that, you know what, for them which thou hast given me, the Father's given me them, they are thine. And I pray for them, and I pray not for the world. And so he's Using, people will use this verse to say, okay, see, God, Jesus, is only praying to the Father for his elect. You know, but, you know, if we really step back and look at it, has there ever been times where you prayed for your children, but not for someone else in that prayer? Or you prayed for somebody else in particular, but not for the whole world? This is just what Jesus is saying here, that in this instance, he's praying for his disciples. And what does he pray for his disciples for? Um, he, um, that as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And what was the purpose of him sending them into the world? So that the world would know who Jesus is. That people would know the way, the life, and the truth. So they may know salvation. As we see that, um, he also says in verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That through their message that they preach, they would believe. And so now let's look at some scripture verses. Um, that I believe teach uh, unlimited atonement. That Jesus died for all, but his condition, as far as some people must believe the gospel, for it to be applicable um, to be saved, but Jesus did die um, for all. The Calvinist argument is also that if um, Jesus died for an unlimited atonement, but not all get saved, then Jesus is, God will be a fellow. That's what an argument um, is made as. 
I don't believe that literally holds water. It's you know, like say you um, do everything you could for your children, you love them, and one of them turns out great, and one of them turns off awful, um, does not serve the Lord, and just makes a mess of their life. That doesn't really mean it was your fault. Okay, you know what they said? They had a free will, they had a choice to make, and one maybe chose well, and one did not. Um, let's look at some scriptures to talk about it. And one very basic one, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, okay, not just the church, not just the elect, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that the elect believe in him. No, no, it says, whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we see that God loves all. He loves the world as far as talking about the people. Now, why does this love not the world as far as in the sense of the wickedness, the evil that's around the world, but as far as the people, God love and says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see that God commanded the gospel to be preached to every person. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So it's not just go into all the world, all the nation, and find the elect and preach to them. It's preach the gospel to every creature. Now usually a Calvinist would say, you know what, well we don't go up to people and say, hey, if you're part of the elect, um, you'll be able to believe the gospel. And that's true. I don't know of anyone that has presented the gospel like that. I kind of wonder why, though. Because um, it would almost seem like it would come across as a lie if you would, were to say, Jesus died for you, repent, put faith, your faith in Christ, um, if they were not part of the elect. And so if it wasn't possible for them to have salvation, then how would they believe if they irresistibly are not able to believe the gospel. And so I just believe it would be disingenuous to um, give a message that would then not be possible. Um, the Bible says, go to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And that's where the Bible says that's how we are called by the gospel. You see, um, that we read about last week, um, that um, God desires to have mercy upon all men. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, talk about Israel, Gentiles, well, that he might have mercy upon all, that he would want to show mercy to everybody. You see that God desires to reconcile all men to himself. Um, all things are of God, who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You know that we as disciples of the Lord, we're to be the ministers of reconciliation. Showing people the word of God, how they who are alienated from God can be reconciled to God. You see, the promise of faith by Jesus is for all that believe. Um, but the scripture hath concluded all under sin, 
that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So again, it doesn't teach that um, you know the elect will be regenerated, the Spirit will make them born again in order to believe. But rather we see that salvation comes by having faith in Christ, by believing. First Timothy 2, 6 um, says, Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. I forgot to put it in this message. It's going to be in one of the messages um, in the future anyways. But um, Charles Spurgeon, Baptist preacher, um, he was Reformed. He was a Calvinist. Um, and he talked about this verse, um, in the verse above it, where it talks about that God who will have only to be saved, that there's that will, there's that desire for salvation. And he admits, he says, this is inconsistent with my theology. I would be rather, I would rather be inconsistent with my own theology than be inconsistent with the Word of God. And he says, I know some of my older Calvinistic friends um, will read where it says he um, wills that all men to be saved, um, that they'll say that all means some um, sorts of all men. And then he goes, as if the Holy Spirit could not have written some sorts of all men. And, and so he says, no, so the Holy Spirit has inspired that it would read all men. And so I guess the great thing that Luke's version was in Calvin is he did admit it was inconsistent with his theology, but that he would rather be inconsistent with that than to be inconsistent with what the Word of God teaches. And so there's respect there. You know, there's maybe some things, maybe when we're talking about election, some things can be a little bit mysterious. You know, it doesn't mean we're going to have to be able to understand everything that the Bible talks about it. We shouldn't strive to. Um, but like Paul, Peter said, Paul did write of many things that are hard to be understood, and, um, and that is neat, and so that we want to feed on it and, and to grow thereby. But we see that Jesus tasted death for all men, says Hebrews 2, 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Media atonement, that satisfaction of tasting death, was not just for his elect. It was for every man. That he died for all men. John um, 1 says that um, he is the light, the light of every man that entereth into the world. God desires all men to come to repentance, so none would perish. Um, in 2 Peter 3 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us work, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And so here the Bible is very clear that he's long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish. You know, and he 
Ezekiel, I should have had this um, in, in here. But Ezekiel, it talks about um, to um, that soul who might say um, that I pronounce judgment. Um, and, and, and that um, if they turn from their wicked way, that God would repent of the judgment he would do unto them. And, and he says unto them that I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That, hey, we do see it's just um, his um, wrath is satisfied, his, um, his justice is satisfied, but he does not have pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's not something he rejoices about, that, oh, thank God, I'm just going to burn these people in hell. God has no pleasure in it. The Bible even says that hell initially was prepared for the devil and his angels, the, the fallen angels. And so somebody asked, you know what, with some of these verses seeming so obvious that God's not willing that any of us should perish, but all would come to repentance, what does a Calvinist do with a verse like this? Well, you know what? They do study. They do their studying. Um, some of them are pretty scholarly. And they do have an answer. You know, just as I'm giving an answer, a rebuttal of some of their teachings, they'll do the same for what I would teach. And so how would they interpret it differently? They would um, emphasize the long-suffering is to us were, meaning the elect. That us is the elect. Peter is talking to churches saying, us, he's long suffering to us, and that he's not only not willing that we, the elect, perish, um, but that, that's also why all his elect will come to repentance. And so that's the argument they use. And so not only that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so they read that as all do come to repentance. Because he's only dying for the elect. So that's how they would read into it. But again, you know, I say, you know, keep reading scriptures, read the other parts of the same book. What the Bible teaches is really to get clarity. Um, and we'll get back to it on that um, um, in Peter. Um, we see another verse, Isaiah 53 6. The Bible talks about how the iniquity of all men was laid on Jesus. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. And there's none that Jesus did not have the iniquity laid upon. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I believe this next verse really... Um, sums it up. Really, it's like the hammer that comes down. Um, and that Jesus was the propitiation for all men. And that John writes, and he is the propitiation for, pro, propitiation for our sins. Again, that means that he was our substitute. That he died on behalf of our sin. Okay? But he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That is for all. That is for the whole world that Jesus died. And that's why we go about and go to Muslim nations and teach them the gospel. Jesus died for them. That's why we want to try to get missionaries in China and pray for those that are there. 
And I support Eddie Mills as a missionary there. Jesus died for the Chinese people there. He died for all the world, the whole world. And John sums it up great there. That is not just for our sins only, or if a Calvinist wants to say deal like. It's not for deal like only, but it's for the sins of the whole world. And, and then we see also that, um, I believe this is another one, this will be the last verse we'll talk about today. We have our business meeting we need to attend to. Um, but um, the Lord bought even those that denied. And we see there was an atonement made, but it was rejected. In 2 Peter 2 1, and that's where we were reading earlier in 2 Peter about not knowing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And he says, but there were false prophets also among the people. Even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that fought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And right here, this verse clearly speaks of that the atonement, the purchase price, the being crucified, bearing um, the wrath of the Father, paying the price, the ransom for him, was given for the lost, given for the false teacher, given for the false prophets, and atonement was made for them. But they make it a waste. The, you know, as Hebrews talks about that um, they talk um, the, the, the holy blood of Christ, that Jesus, his blood was sanctified, it was holy, it was set apart, but what do they do to the lost do of the word of God? They trample it as if it was under their foot. They reject it. And so God's not going to force salvation on them. He lets them have their choice. Let's them have their freedom. But Jesus did pay the price for them. They don't have to pay the price on their own, but they do because they took that liberty to ultimately reject Jesus Christ. That's where you know the Bible says, Behold, today is the day of salvation. And we're not guaranteed of tomorrow. The Bible talks about that our life is but a vapor that appeared for a little while and then vanished away. So, you know, if you don't know Jesus is your Savior, you know, we show you from the scriptures, Jesus died for all, and that would include you. And so if you don't know Jesus is your Savior, talk to me afterwards. Talk to my wife. Um, I will show you a more query from the scriptures how you can know Jesus as your own personal Savior and Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we just um, pray, Lord, that um, you give the understanding, Lord, and that may this provoke people to um, study more. And, um, and we just pray, Lord, that you be with us as we get ready for the message next week. I'm talking about your grace. Um, is it resistible or is it irresistible? And so um, we just pray for you to be with that message for next week as well. And Lord, we see again from your word that you have made an atonement for all. But as your word says, how shall they believe except they hear? Except they hear the word of God, how will they believe? 
how would he hear except a picture be sent? That's why Lord, we pray for you would use our church as a candlestick that would light under candlesticks and sending preachers around the world that people will be able to hear the gospel, that they may be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Brother Fellowship. Be friendly for a little bit. Oh, be friendly for a But it's not banana bread. They're actually going to have one more thing. Um, um, Gary, come up here real quick. And we got something for you. You know what, Gary, my father, knocked them one up. Um, he's been um, definitely been a blessing um, to our church, been the support from afar, and um, coming to come comes here periodically uh, helps us. And why don't you come and close this in prayer? Well, we got a gift for you, um, and so you got pride in yourself and why um, trophy husband. And right here in small print, it says Participation Award. It's the day where everybody participates and gets a trophy. But if we come to this, this is the word of prayer.